All right, this morning I thought we'll start, you guys can just, we'll loosen up a little bit, okay, before we get into the nitty gritty of it all. Um, We should play Simon Says, because it kind of relates to, I guess, the thought behind this morning. So, you guys keen to play Simon Says? Yep. All right, let's do it. It's on. Okay, everyone stand up. This was this... I didn't say anything. Man. I want to change my message, actually. I'm going to talk on listening. Okay. No, okay. Simon says, tell the person next to you they look good. Tell the person next to you they don't look very well at all. Some of the people actually did that. eh? I didn't say Simon says, so... That was actually one of the quickest games of Simon Says I've played, so, man, all right. Okay, Simon Says, take notes this morning. And Simon Says, turn in your Bibles too, and then as soon as we do this, it's game over, okay? Game's over, it's finished, you can do what you like after this. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew four, eighteen to 22. Some of you guys aren't doing it. Oh, it's up there. Oh, okay, sweet. You don't have to. You're, you're, you're turning the rules around to suit you guys. It's not, not fair. All right, so Matthew 4, verse 18 to 22, if you guys are there or it's back on the wall here. But Jesus calls his first disciples. This is the start of the men who follow Jesus. And it says here in 18, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately... They left the boat and their father and followed him. This is an interesting passage if you really look into it and think about it. Because what grown men would suddenly leave their work and their life to follow someone? You see, Jesus says to them, follow me. And it says there, immediately they left what they were doing to follow him. So you could imagine me turning up to your work, some of you, and you guys didn't know me very well, and I was just like, oh, hey, hey, Mark, um, follow me. You'd be like, um, no. Or you could imagine, okay, we'll get past the first step, and you think, oh, he's a good guy, let's follow him. Okay, so we'll get past the first stage, and we head home. And you go and tell you, because I'm assuming some of them probably had wives and stuff, it says they were men, so they go home to their wives, and you come to your wife and you say, hey, honey, I'm, I'm just heading off. Where are you going? Who are you going with? That guy? And then she'll be like, well, how long are you going for? Oh, I don't know. And you can imagine the wife would just be like, get back inside. You're like, well, okay, I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> it doesn't work. But it says there that they left everything. They immediately left. Follow me. And immediately, they dropped what they were doing and followed Jesus. You see, they wanted to learn from him. They wanted to walk like him. They wanted to talk like him. 
They wanted to be like him. This would be their life. How do I respond when this happens? Or if someone sins against me, what's my reaction? What should my passions be in life as I walk through my journey? How do I go about living? What is my actions to everyday life? See, these disciples would follow Jesus. They would watch, learn, and become. To imitate his every move and learn his heartbeat and passions would be their every desire. You see, straight away, there's something different about Jesus. The fact that they immediately left what they were doing shows that Jesus was different to the rest. See, Jesus straight away shows them a different side of doing life. To the way the world deems as right, Jesus flips so much on its back and says, this is how I live, this is how I do life. And straight away we pick up something right from the start there. The fact that he came to them and said, follow me, was a glimpse of who Jesus actually was. You see, in those times, if you could imagine, the rabbis would take on disciples. They would take on young boys to be their disciples, to learn and to mimic and just be everything that they were. Now, the rabbis would go back to where these boys had just finished studying. So these boys were pre-qualified men. And the rabbis would ask them, young boys in those days, but men in a sense, he would ask them, how would they succeed him or how would they become like him? And so he would pull out the cream of the pot and only choose the best of these young boys to be his disciples. See, every Hebrew boy longed to hear the words, follow me. They wanted to hear the words, follow me. It means that they had succeeded. They were something. See, most of the boys never heard the words, follow me. Most of them had to go and do normal jobs and in a sense be told that they were not good enough to do ministry. Most of them never heard the words, follow me. But yet these disciples suddenly hear the words, follow me. You see, Jesus says, come follow me. Straight away, he is qualifying the unqualified. These men weren't prestigious like these boys that were getting the words, follow me. They had already probably been denied in a sense, some of them. But yet Jesus comes along and says, hey, in the world's eyes, you're not qualified. But in my eyes, you're qualified. And how often is that the same case with us here today? So many of us in the world's eyes may not be qualified, but Jesus comes along and says, hey, I choose every one of you here this morning to follow me. As you are, follow me. He turns to unqualified into qualified in his eyes. You see, he sets a platform of who he wants to follow him. In Matthew nine twelve, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners. You and I have been called to follow Jesus as we are. See, once a rabbi had chosen his disciples, he would begin to teach them to be like him. 
And what they would do is they would tie ropes around their shoulders and necks and they would line up behind their rabbi and you could imagine them walking around. The reason he would do this is because he wanted them to learn to mimic everything about his life. He wanted him, the kids to mimic the way he walked. Is every move to become united so these young men would become like their rabbi. And when they got this sorted, when they were able to walk in sync with their rabbi, he would take off the rope once they learned to be and walk like him. Here's the thing. Every boy wanted to be as close to their rabbi as possible. So they would, if you guys could imagine back in school days, who were the, who were the student of the days? The kids at the front. Okay, it's normally, there's the kids at the front, and they were the, they were the student of the day, and you'd always have the naughty ones at the back. I didn't know this, but they always had the naughty ones at the back. And then if you were really naughty, you got to go right to the front. Teachers know what I'm talking. Am I correct, teachers? Maybe, yeah. Okay, the naughty, naughty ones would get to the front, but in these days, it was the good ones, the student of the day, would get to walk behind their rabbi in this line. So they would sink, and they'll walk behind their rabbi. And for these young men, it was an absolute honor to be as close to their Jesus slash rabbi as possible. And in those times, they would have sandals. The rabbis would wear special sandals. And as they walked, it would always flick up dust. And as the dust would flick up, it would always get on the person who was the closest to their rabbi. And at the end of the day, these kids would go home, or these young men, and they wouldn't wash off the dust For them, it was an honor to show everyone, look, I have walked in the dust of my rabbi. I have walked closely behind my rabbi. I have learned everything I can of him today. I was the student of the day. Look at the dust that I'm covered in. I am just like my rabbi. See, this morning, the question is, Whose dust are we actually covered in? Whose dust are we covered in? See, people, can they tell that we've been walking in the dust of our Jesus? Do our lives look different to those around us? See, without realizing it, so many of us can be just covered in the dust of the world. We can be covered in the dust of the way our parents have lived life. And we walk in those same footsteps and the same principles that he did or they did. Some of us are covered in the dust of our past because of things that have happened to us and we allow them to become our steps. And that's what leaves the dust behind us. Others of us, it can be just the pressures of the world become our dust. And that determines our steps and our footprints in life. But the challenge this morning, and I'm talking about myself as well, is are we allowing the dust of Jesus to be our step? Are we leaving the dust of Jesus, the dust of Jesus behind us wherever we go? See, it was a way of life. How would my Jesus speak to my husband when he didn't do the dishes last night? I did the dishes last night, just making sure you didn't think it was me that I'm talking about, okay? But little things like, in the, I'm actually interested to find out, 
little things like in the supermarket, when you go in the fast lane, and there is someone in front of you who has a little trolley, but I wonder how many of us actually count the amount of things in their trolley. Are they over the limit of 14 in the express lane? How, 12. You guys know what I'm talking about. I wonder if you guys have counted the groceries in that person's trolley. This is what I'm talking about, the dust of our Jesus. How should our everyday lives look and be? A disciple is one who determined to live like their rabbi. A disciple is one who is determined to live like our Jesus. I want to jump into the Beatitudes this morning and look at this, because this is an awesome passage, and I really believe that this sets the tone of what Jesus was all about. On his first sermon on the mount, he brings out, and he starts with the Beatitudes, which is just a glimpse of who he was and what his heart was about. You see, that what he talks about here is different to the way the world sees things. You may look at this and go, well, that contradicts everything that we've been taught. But please just stick with me, because this is the heartbeat, this is the dust of our Jesus, and this is what he is passionate about, and this is how he calls us to live. And the disciples would have been there just going, right, I'm going to get everything out of this as much as possible, because this is how I want my life to look. In Matthew 5, verse 1 to 10, and it says there, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He starts off with probably one of the most important pieces. He's saying, man, if you realize that you are in need of a savior, if you realize you're in need of God, then blessed are you because you will hunger for the things of me. When you realize you need the spirit of God in your life, then this is probably the beginning and the fundamentals of something great in your life. You see, that is the first and most fundamental, the first condition for entering into the joy of the kingdom of God, to realize our need for a savior. And without him, we are not complete. Those who are poor in terms of material wealth are deeply aware of their lack. Similarly, those who are poor in spirit are aware of their spiritual lack. This is, they are aware of their utter need for God Therefore, they open themselves up to him. The result of the simple act of openness is the gift of the kingdom of heaven. Firstly, he's like, man, you need to realize we need a God. We need a savior. We need Jesus. Secondly, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If we love God, we will love and learn We'll, love, we'll learn to love all those who belong to God. See, this is, blessed are those who mourn. When we are in God's presence, we're in God's house, and we are walking with God, we learn to love people for who they genuinely are. And when we see people in need, it should break our heart to see others in need. See, if we love God, we will love all those who belong to God. And every human being, without exception, comes from God and is loved by God. 
Now, when we truly love others, this happiness becomes, their happiness becomes our own because we have begun to love them as another self. Because we love them as another self, their suffering too becomes our own. We mourn for them, for it is so hard to remain indifferent to the sufferings of others after we have discovered and entered into the heart of God. Thirdly, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is a little bit contradicting to the way the world probably teaches us to live. But a meek spirit is someone who is gentle, someone who is not quick to react, someone who has learned that they have been shown grace by a father and a Jesus, and in the same way we are too called to live in those steps. See, a meek spirit is gentle, compassionate and gentle towards those who are suffering. The meek are not quick to take offense at others. They are very patient with others because they know that God has always been patient with them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The kind of person who loves justice more than they love themselves. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those that just hunger and want to see justice around them. This is the heartbeat of our Jesus. The kind of person who loves justice more than they love themselves. Those who are entered into Christ will suffer a great deal of hunger and thirst because there is so much injustice around us. Blessed are you if you live with this kind of hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness because that means you have entered into the hunger and thirst of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. Christ revealed God as absolute mercy. He came to die for us and cancel the debt of sin, which we were unable to pay. When we have been touched by his mercy, we too ought to become merciful to others. To follow him is to become a channel of his mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Of the pure in heart, sorry. See, what is pure? It is unmixed. To be pure in heart is to have an undivided love for God. A heart unmixed, those whose hearts are fully towards God above all else. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is part of who he is. This is his heart for us in our everyday lives. The Latin word for peace is pax, which means unity. As Ezekiel prophesied, the Lord will gather his people together from all nations, for love unites, hate divides. A peacemaker is one who strives to bring together to maintain a genuine harmony among people. He is one who is willing to make peace, to work for it, even to fight for it, because it is part of who Jesus is. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Christ is joy, and in it being persecuted in account of him, that you and I really come to know who he is. See, the heartbeat of Jesus is this. This is the dust of our Jesus. This is what he stood for. And this is how he walked everyday life. I want to just 
just say quickly that if you are here this morning and you have been unjustly treated or any of these things come across as something that has happened to you, then I want to say, hey, be encouraged because Jesus has a massive heart for what you've gone through. I'm not just here this morning to, to challenge us to, to walk in a certain way, but I'm here to just say also that those who have been through things that are in need, that have been humbled and you've been needed to show mercy in certain ways, then I want to say that be encouraged that Jesus sees what you're going through. This is his passions. This is his desires. He has a heart for your suffering this morning. As we become covered in his dust, this should be our outflow. This should be our dust in life. Micah 6 verse 8, if you could chuck out the picture. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the walk of our Jesus. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Good to all people. Especially to those who belong in the family of believers. His walk represented something that was so different to how we've been taught. And I want us to think about the challenge of what are we walking in. The dust of our past, the dust of our parents, the dust of how this world has taught us to live, or the dust of our Jesus. Luke 14 verse 12 gives us a glimpse of the passions that Jesus has. It says there, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the heartbeat of our Jesus. It's a different walk to how the world has taught us. If I could just get the worship team to come up. And I want to just finish just with this last passage in John 8 verse 1 to 11. And here we see the woman who is caught in adultery. And the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus because they know that here's an opportunity to catch him out. Here's a chance to contradict him, to make him fail or to fall against what is the law. 
There's an interesting thing about this is that this woman did not come to repent of her sins. It says that she was caught in adultery first. And yet the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and they know that the law is that this woman should be stoned. And they bring her to Jesus. And Jesus knows that he's got to, in a way, obey the law. This is how he was being taught. But this is where he brings the dust. Says he without sin cast first stone. And these men stood there and they looked at their lives and they were like, ah, hold on, but the law says this. Jesus didn't deter away from the law, but he brought something different in brought the dust of grace and he says he without sin cast the first stone and these men would have been standing going I can't throw it the law says this but I can't throw it and Jesus says to the woman as they walk off he said who condemns you and she said no one he says, neither do I. Go sin no more. See, the law says she should be stoned. But Jesus leaves a dust of compassion, a dust of justice, a dust of grace, and a dust of love on this woman's life. morning, you may not have realized or you may not have had this grace and this love and this justice and this compassion that I talk about this morning in your life. And I want you to know that, man, Jesus has got such a heart for these things. He has a heart for you. He has a heart for your circumstances and what you've been through. some of us this morning just need to be covered in that dust again maybe we've been caught up in religion, maybe we've been caught up in this certain way of that we're supposed to do life that we thought was always the way these rules and these these laws but I want to challenge us in our thinking this morning is are we walking in the dust of our Jesus the dust that leaves grace that fights for justice for mercy, for peace all these things leaves it in his way. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is our step. This is our everyday life. This is who we were created to be. Father, we just 
thank you this morning for who you are. Lord, what you have been teaching us about outflow, about the walk. Lord, we thank you that your dust has been poured all over our lives. That you have shown us so much mercy, so much grace, and so much love. And Lord, as we learn to be like you, as we yearn to walk beside you, to unite, to walk in your steps and in your path, God. Help us to also show mercy, love, compassion, to break the chains of all these things that we may have thought were life and what we were supposed to live by, but God, that we would live by the things that you have a heart for, that your heartbeat would become our heartbeat, God. This morning, I want to give the opportunity to pray for people. And just with every eye closed, just first, so you may be here. I want to always give this opportunity that you may not know Jesus or this man that I've talked about that has shown grace, mercy, justice, and love for every person here. And you may not have been showing that in your life. And this morning you say, hey, I want to just know this. I want to know God who's like this. That if you are here in this place and God is just beating on your, on your door, and you feel compelled by the Spirit today to give your life to Jesus just where you're sitting. That I just ask that you'll just raise your hand with no one looking around. If you're in this boat this morning, you're saying, hey, yeah, I need to come back to God or I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Is there anyone here in this place this morning like that, that God's just knocking on your door? And secondly, this morning, that for whatever reason, you may be going through stuff and you need to just realize the dust of our Jesus again that he sees your pain and you just want to come forward and just stand and allow someone to pray for you and be covered in his dust and some of you this morning may be just challenged by this word of how our lives look what are our steps looking like and you just want to say God I need to step into your presence more I need to hunger for you more because I need this outflow to be like you, Jesus. I want to walk like my rabbi. I want to walk in sync with you. Whatever you need this morning, wherever you are, I ask that you reach out to Jesus. We're just going to sing this song by your stripes, is it? By your name. And if you just need prayer this morning, please allow this to be a place to be refreshed a place that God can just meet with you. And if you don't want to come up the front and just where you are, reach out, open yourselves up and allow God to speak to you this morning. Is that all right? If we could all just stand.